NFL 2023. Just when you think somebody's good and solid, cracks in the foundation. Bengals and Ravens catch L's. You need a savior? How about a rookie? Or a guy who needs to be pointed towards his own locker room? Texans and Vikings are streaking. And whether the Niners overstepped by trying to get McCaffrey a record touchdown, up 31 with three minutes left. Let's go around the horn. We start with Browns 33, Ravens 31, and a very simple question, how? Cleveland was down seconds into this game after a very funny pick six. Trailed for 59 minutes and 20 seconds, but Baltimore failed to close. Some fourth quarter turnovers doing them in. The Lamar Jackson interception was oof. Bill, I don't need to say any more around the horn to you. How did Cleveland do this? Or was this more about what the Browns did or what the Ravens didn't do? The Ravens did it to themselves, Tony. Last week I came on here and bragged about the yes, Ravens you did. being the scariest team in football. But I also said they were scary to themselves as well. And this was the perfect example of that happening. Lamar Jackson missed safe flowers for a touchdown. Keaton Mitchell had a touchdown hit him in the hands. The Ravens were the third worst defense in week, in week 10 when it came to tackling and yards after first yeah. contact. They couldn't stop the Browns on the ground. Even Justin Tucker, the one thing we can rely on in tough times, Justin Tucker had a 51-yard field goal blocked because the protection didn't hold up, caused a six-point swing at the mm. end of the first half. The Browns were not great in this game. They were sloppy in their own right, but the Ravens continued continue to struggle to take up wrap up games and finish. They are a great team, but they are not great to themselves most weeks. Mm -hmm. Says Bill Barnwell, who had a great answer, but not great to himself. Zero points. <laughs> Pablo Torre to you. <laughs> yeah, the Ravens feel like a classic fine print team where you see the top line statistics like, wow, they entered this game number one in defensive efficiency. And then you look deeper into the fourth quarter numbers that Bill Barnwell was alluding to. And you're like, OK, something else is happening here. And Lamar Jackson is part of that problem, by the way. Lamar Jackson in the fourth quarter cannot stop turning the ball over. Look at the numbers when he is in the fourth quarter in one score game specifically. He plays like a bottom of the league caliber player. And so when you get that in combination with the fact that the Browns just happened to become the first team to trail for 59 minutes and 20 seconds, Tony, as you alluded to, this millennium to come back and win, well, yeah, it feels like the Ravens' resume feels like it should be a lot shoddier at the top line than it's been getting away with. Hey, that's two that says it was all about Baltimore and what they didn't do. Harry Lyles Jr., can I tempt you to maybe talk about the team that won? No, let's make it three because, listen, six, the, you uh, hear the cliche, right, cliche or coach speak of we have to play 60 minutes of football in order to win a game. It's, it is those things until you trail or you do trail for, for 59 minutes and 20 seconds and you don't win the football game. So, yes, this is about the Ravens blowing it because this is the third time that they've done this this year and you did it against a Browns team whose offense does not put fear into anybody, especially since Nick Chubb has been out basically the entire season. Deshaun Watson came into this game with a QBR that was 23rd best in the NFL. And if you are the Baltimore Ravens and you went into this football game and said, hey, you're going to score 31 points, they would have been shocked if you told them that they were going to lose that game. It just so happens to be worse when you led for all but 40 seconds of the game. So I think you would say it's an alarming loss then from Baltimore's perspective. 
Corny, did this ring any bells for you? And was this more about Baltimore, or could you maybe give some credit to Cleveland? I will give some credit to Cleveland. Deshaun Watson started out this game the way that he normally does. It's slow. And then in the second half, 14 passes. All of them are completed, 134 yards and a touchdown. This is why the Browns paid all that money and all those draft picks to get Deshaun Watson. It's the one game from him that you can say, okay, like undeniably he was really good. And it's not an unforgettable game that we've had so many from Deshaun Watson. But these fourth quarter blunders for the Ravens, my Mm. goodness, in three games this year, Colts, Pittsburgh, and now the Cleveland Browns, they've had the same issues continue to pop up. Where was that vaunted defense trying to get one stop on that last drive that got the Browns into field goal range? And when it comes to Lamar Jackson, he is playing at an MVP level right now. But fourth quarter of one-score games, to Pablo's point, a 31 total QBR in those situations, and he's only throwing for first downs at 19% in the fourth quarter. This is all about failure for Baltimore to close. I get it. But the Cleveland Browns called it a statement win, and I couldn't even get a statement from any one of you on this team that is currently a half game out of first and locked into a playoff position. We'll move on. Texans 30, Bengals 27, another huge win. For C.J. Stroud. And this one has playoff. And yes, MVP talk coming out of it. Shaky turnovers for Stroud and Burrow late. And then Tyler Boyd's drop. Oof. So another final minute opportunity for Stroud. And he's got a clutch gene. He gets it done. Texans have won five of seven. Courtney, around the horn to you. Bigger win for Texans or loss for Bengals? Speaking of Deshaun Watson, before C.J. Stroud got to Houston, you know what the record was over the last three seasons? 11-38-1. And now they're 5-4, and and very squarely, Tony, in the AFC hunt. And that's because of what you have in the rookie quarterback, who was without his number one receiver, Nico Collins, was without Damian Pierce, and he still found ways to get this done. It wasn't a perfect performance by any stretch, but he still went on the road, threw for 356 yards, overcame two early fumbles, and then the uh, pick that led to a Bengals touchdown. He's becoming the quarterback that if you give him too much time at the end of games, watch out. Back-to-back weeks, game-winning drives for C.J. Stroud, and I think the MVP talk as of right now is fair. Harry Lyles Jr., do you think MVP talk is fair? Great move there, Courtney, avoiding the, the C word there with uh, the Van word. I love that. Yeah, A+. Plus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but look, if we are sub- talking about C.J. Stroud possibly being an MVP candidate, then this can't be about a Bengals loss. This is about what he and the Texans have done. And also, I just want to throw it out there, like kudos to D'Amico Ryans, right? The coaching job that he's done with this Texans team. I really don't think anybody saw this coming. But the thing that stands out to me about this with C.J. Stroud is we're seeing a different flavor from him in this game than we did two weeks ago when he threw for five touchdown passes and had a higher completion percentage. You had a lower completion percentage. He had one of his two interceptions on the year in this game. But he came up in a moment when it mattered most. And it's not like this happened against just some other team in the NFL. This happened against a good Bengals team on the road against Joe Burrow. And so for you as a rookie, despite not having one of your better games to go out there, have the composure and the poise to go out and complete a football game like that, to me, yes. Like, not only is C.J. Stroud one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the NFL, you have to put him in the MVP conversation because this Texans team does not have that record without that young man at quarterback. Pablo Torre, yesterday more about the Texans or the Bengals deal. 
I'm going to go with the Texans because I do believe that the MVP conversation is a storytelling premise. And so is it true that Tyler Boyd happened to drop a game-winning touchdown pass from Joe Burrow in the end zone that might have rendered this entire conversation moot? Absolutely. But it is also true, Tony, that C.J. Stroud is leading the NFL in yards, passing yards per game, and also that he is the... He's, I believe, the first rookie quarterback in the last 40 years to lead a come-from-behind drive in the last two minutes of a game to win. And so here we have a guy who seems to be at the very end of games getting a spotlight and not being melted by it, but becoming stronger because of it. And that feels like a great story. Bill Barnwell, was this about the Texans or the Bengals for you? To quote Tim Kalashaw, I know how this show works. I'm going to go with the Bengals side of the equation here. <laughs> this was a serious loss for the Bengals. They had all the vibes going in their direction. These were the post by Bengals. Last week we were talking about them being one of the best teams in football, and yet they lose this game where Joe Burrow throws two interceptions in the fourth quarter. Tyler Boyd drops a touchdown that would have given them a lead, forced the Texans to drive the length of the field for a touchdown to win late. And we're not talking about the Bengals as losing a massive game. Right now, their odds to make the postseason per ESPN's Football Power Index have dropped to about 35%. Right, because they lose the tiebreaker right now with now. Houston, although they took the tiebreaker over Buffalo the week before with their win. Corny, I'll give you the last word here. I'll just say this about the MVP. C.J. Stroud has an uphill battle because you have Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts playing at the level where they're playing. And because rookies don't typically win this, and also players on playoff teams don't. And who knows what the Houston Texans end up becoming. But it is remarkable that he's doing this at this stage and probably making some teams wish, i.e. the Carolina Panthers, that they would have picked him. You said rookies don't win MVP. Only one has won MVP. For a bonus point, tell me the one rookie who won MVP in NFL history. Jim Brown. Courtney Cronin was quick on the draw there. We'll give you two. We'll move on. Last topic here, what the Niners did to the Jaguars. It was a complete annihilation. 34-3 was the final. But what the Niners tried to do, up 31, give Christian McCaffrey every shot to set the consecutive game touchdown record. He had one in 17 straight games. He needed 18 to have the record by himself. They ran on third down, they passed on fourth down, up 31 with three minutes to go. Still didn't get it. Harry, how did that land with you? Just fair game. I mean, if you're the 49ers, you went into the bye week having lost three in a row. You come out, you make Trevor Lawrence look terrible with your new toy and Chase Young and Nick Bosa. And honestly, everybody in the stadium knew where the football was going, and they ended up stopping it. So, I mean, look, I understand where it's at. I thought it was a good thing for the 49ers. And again, you know, if you're in the grocery checkout line and you forget you need Two-Face, go and get it. And if it's not on the shelf, I guess it's too bad. And it obviously wasn't there on the shelf for them. Pablo Torre. I like when the 49ers are back to being just confident and good enough to complete side quests Mm mid-game. Like, what? (laughs) Somewhere Lenny Moore. Lenny Moore, Tony, whose record this is. Um, Must be thankful, of course, that the Jaguars (laughs) did have this one moment of respectability in this game. Because otherwise, the 49ers, which had lost a bunch of games in a row, that we would be shocked to have been told that they would lose prior to them happening, suddenly seem like they're back in control. Bill Barnwell, did it raise an eyebrow for you that Harris McCaffrey on third and fourth down in a 31-point game with most of the starters out? Raise several eyebrows. I think I have about two. Raise them both for me. Very short-sighted move for the 49ers. <laughs> okay. A running back who has a significant injury history, who missed most of two seasons of football because he got hurt. And there's been a major drop-off without him on the field. Brock Purdy's QBR, 75 with him. About Josh Allen level this year. 
52 without him. That's Derek Carr. If you can turn your quarterback from Josh Allen into Derek Carr for the rest of the year to get a guy who's going to score a million touchdowns, one extra touchdown for a meaningless streak, I don't think that is a good move, even if it had Cody Cronin. Christian McCaffrey's right. Everybody did score but him. He's wrong when he said, I must suck. He averaged 5.9 yards per carry. He was fine. I have no issue with this because it was so in your face at the end of the the game that everybody knew what they were doing. To me, the bigger story here is what happened defensively for the 49ers, being able to show people that the addition of Chase Young was a big one. And this team and all of its issues pressuring the quarterback, they got to Trevor Lawrence a lot. That's our horn. Take a break right here. Coming up, college and America's team. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guarantee Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Welcome back to Around the Horn, coming to you from the seaport. Brought to you by Chase. Georgia throttling Ole Miss. Florida State. And Washington just getting by. Can you imagine if Washington lost because the goal line celebration dropped? Oof. Michigan, I'm not sure if you heard from this weekend, they won without Jim Harbaugh, and it was like he was martyred or martyred himself like Socrates. Coach Harbaugh. Called Michigan America's (laughs) team today because of the way they face adversity. Texas A&M firing Jimbo Fisher and now volunteering to pay the biggest buyout ever, $76 Harry, where do you want to start? Oh, Tony, there are so many shiny things to get distracted by. Is it the big buyout? Is it Michigan edging Penn State? Is it Jaden Daniels being the first player to have 12,000 passing yards and 3,000 rushing? No, keep your eye on the ball. Georgia looks like Georgia again. They beat Ole Miss 52 to 17. They were the number nine team in the college football playoff. It looks like they are going to three-peat. I know all these other things are fun, but my goodness gracious, Georgia looks like Georgia again. Pablo Torre. I got to go with the, uh, I think, unprecedented emotional delusion that was that Michigan interview, Tony. It is one thing to say we are all obviously watching America's team, even though very few people think that. But it also just proves to me that Jim Harbaugh kind of running a weird program over there. The kind of program where a guy will cry as if he has passed away when he hasn't. 
and maybe, just maybe, go around scouting various teams across the country because that's just the sort of thing you're that intensely devoted to doing. But I want to make sure we're clear here. We are all for emotion on this show and showing motion anyway. You are seeing that and you're yes. saying, what is this that we're actually witnessing here? I the am, team I, had to play I without a coach for the second suspension this year. Yeah. Love emotion, don't quite like the delusion. More delusion than emotion. Bill Barnwell, I'll bring you in here. Monologue. I, I disagree with Harry. I like a good shiny thing. I don't know why they're getting such a bad rap about getting distracted. And I think the Jimbo Fisher situation is an meaningful and important thing that's going to have an impact on college football, not just this week, but for years to come. If you have a college that is willing to eat $76 million in a buyout with no offset to fire a coach, Every single coach in college football has a different level of job security today than they mm -hmm. did yesterday. Every coach is one or two bad seasons away from getting fired. So it's a fundamentally different sport today. Courtney Cronin. You know who has a really large buyout? James Franklin, $64 million, and he just fired his offensive coordinator. Franklin's not going anywhere, but he's going to be on his sixth OC since 2014. He's got to get this right. As you saw in that game against Michigan, this offense is putrid. 102nd in FBS in yards per play, dead last in the percentage of plays that go for 20 or more yards. You have a five-star quarterback, and your team is 4-16 and against Ohio State and Michigan under James Franklin. Don't say that guy don't force him to the transfer portal because you don't get this higher right harry if i could have you on the jimbo fisher and the buyout i saw your eyes raised when bill was saying this changed the landscape of college football i mean look there's there's always going to be high level buyouts this this ain't going to be the norm at the texas a&m <laughs> that money over there is completely different than it is at most programs, but it's still And are they grounded in Again. reality as well? I know Pablo brought up the idea of delusion. Nobody is. Nobody is. No, yeah, yeah. no, nobody, nobody in college football <laughs> right now. Is, is in reality. Whether it is well, administration, the fans, everybody is delusional. Yeah. Well, that's what makes it fun. Yeah, that should be a slogan for this show too. We'll move on. Lions 41, Chargers 38. This was the, the game of the fourth down. This is the fourth down game of our lives. These two converted on seven of eight. The last one was the gutsiest. Dan Campbell making sure they end the game with the kick and not get the ball back to Los Angeles offense. Tony Romo, on the call of this game, said these Lions can win the Super Bowl. Bill, buy or sell. Yesterday's outcome showing you that. I buy it. I buy it. I look at what the Lions have done this year. They've beaten the Chiefs. They've beaten the Chargers. They have started to beat stiffer competition and not just beat up on the mediocre teams in the NFC. My only concern is just, you know, do they have an offense that can pull it off week after week if they're not going uh, basically 100% on fourth down? Oh, you, you questioned their offense. I thought they had hundreds of yards rushing with multiple running backs. The offense they don't get to play fun. the Chargers every week. Pablo, is, is this a Super Bowl team we're witnessing here? Yeah, look, I love that the Lions will go for it. I've read too much Bill Barnwell in my life to not respect that much. But to me, a world in which the number one favorite for the Super Bowl, the Eagles, lost to the Jets means that the Lions can win the Super Bowl. Absolutely. This year, specifically. Harry Lyles Jr.? Yeah, Tony, I'm buying it. Look, uh, the Harry Lyles Jr. stats and info, we've opened up a psychology division, and <laughs> the thing that people just can't come to grasp with is you can't get over a team that is wearing Honolulu blue and silver can win the Super Bowl. Just because they're the Detroit Lions does not mean it's never going to happen. This could be the year. And Courtney Cronin, seeing the way they played it out yesterday versus the Chargers. 
Absolutely. This is about the trenches. They kept Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack at bay. And think about what they're going to potentially do against the Eagles' ferocious pass rush and the Cowboys and the 49ers. Yesterday was a good example of that. Harry Lyles, Joe Barnwell. The delusion ends right here for these two competitors. Croden, Torre. Where are you going, Bill? There you go. Back there. Croden, Torre, showdown next. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Around the Horn is presented by Bullet Frontier Whiskey. Please drink responsibly. Part of happy hour. Gordy Crone and Pablo Torre, good luck in showdown. The hottest team in the NFC. Anybody? Vikings. They're right on the screen right there. You're not getting a point for that. Yeah. The Vikings. Five straight wins. Three different starting quarterbacks the last three weeks. Josh Dobbs, yes, he needed to be told where the home locker room was. Courtney, are the Josh Dobbs Vikings a playoff team? They look like it. They've won five straight. That's the longest streak in the NFL. And up next, Denver, the Bears, and then they have a bye week, so that'll give Josh Dobbs plenty of time to learn his teammates. Mm. Pablo Torre? In a wide-open NFL season, of course, they can be a playoff team. I just want to point out that the guy who was, I believe, an aerospace engineer, a NASA intern – has a little trouble locating a locker room. I don't oh, want to disparage Oh, come on. Oh, wait, you're trying like to rain on this great Dobbs every week, and he needs to learn the teammates. Bit. He doesn't know where the locker room is. A little bit. He's an aerospace engineer. Tony. Showdown to <laughs> some 600-yard games we need to talk about from the weekend. Jaden Daniels had 606 yards of total offense, which puts him in the Heisman mix, right? And the Cowboys, they had 640 yards of total offense against the Giants. 400 passing and four touchdowns for Prescott. Who's 600 better, Pablo? It has to be the Cowboys. And I feel for Tommy DeVito, Tony. Everybody's making fun of him because he lives with his mom. Nobody's making fun of him for that. They're praising that. How dare you? It's it's a terror. It's a terror, Tommy. Move out. She's going to ask you about this law. Gordy Cronin. Dak Prescott didn't run for 234 yards like <laughs> yeah. Jaden Daniels yeah, yeah. did. That's that's it. That's it for me right there. And that's it for our game today. Courtney Cronin, take the FaceTime. All right, since we're talking about Heisman hopefuls, you have to put Marvin Harrison Jr. in that mix. What he has done at Ohio State in his last five games, 100-plus receiving yards. He scored the first three touchdowns the other day against Michigan State. He's on pace to do something that no other receiver in this pool that just produces a ton of them does. Back-to-back 1,000-yard receiving seasons. I want to see him in New York in December. Nick Penix Jr., Daniels, Harrison, that sounds pretty solid right there. We'll see you tomorrow. Happy hour.